What's up, Steamtown? Good morning. Good morning. Hope everybody enjoyed that uh, winter weather this morning. Yep, it's here. Uh, join me for a word of prayer, and then uh, if you have a copy of the Bible, uh, please turn with me to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, and we're going to be reading uh, 13, uh, uh, 13 verses this morning uh, for our scripture reading time. God, thank you so much uh, for your goodness. God, what a, what a neat song. Uh, incredible lyrics, Lord, to just think about um, how, how you saved our lives. And um, I pray, Lord, uh, this morning that, that as we're reminded of what you have done for us, God, that, um, Lord, that it will bring us uh, even more to a place of worship to where uh, we want to continue to live for you. And uh, thank you for everybody that is here this morning, God. We know that you don't make any mistakes, and everyone uh, that is here, um, Lord, you have led. And uh, thank you for um, the chance to come together as believers and worship you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me as we read uh, God's inspired and errant word. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to be reading from verses 1 to 13. And our teaching this morning will be from verses 14 to 21. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly, in reading this then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through Faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Thank you. You may be seated. Title of today's sermon, Do You Know How Much God Loves You? Do you know how much God loves you? My wife Kelly, uh, she, she loves birds. Any bird lovers out here? Throw, throw up the photo, Kelly, with the bird on her head. It's a wild bird. Kelly loves birds, um, but you know a bird she, like, really especially likes? The cardinal. She likes the cardinal, the red cardinal. See, when Kelly was younger, her grandmother used to say to her, 
remember, Kelly, whenever you see a cardinal, some of you have hurt, have hurt some of your loved ones, that whenever you see a cardinal, it's a reminder how much God loves you and how much God cares for you. And she used to tell, my wife Kelly, she used to tell her how God would send the cardinal at just the right time in her life when she was down and out and not doing well or circumstances in her, in her life, just as a reminder of how much God loves her when she needed it most. Enter the, the crane game. How many of you know like the, the claw game, crane thing, right? I hate that game. I hate that game. I hate, I hate the claw machine. Good luck with that. I never win. I'm not bitter. I never win. It's the most frustrating, endless nonsense ever. Thousands of these stuffed toys, all manner of bright, fluffy, useless, ridiculousness. Then there's the crane arm, right? Like, you know, it, it might go down straight, but when it comes up, I'm going to talk about that in a second, what it, what, it, what it does. I think I only ever caught something once in my entire life, and I'm going to tell you about that story. So we're on vacation, uh, Jersey Shore. Now, so you, those that know me know I'm from the Jersey Shore, but like those in the Jersey Shore, we're still allowed to vacation in the Jersey Shore. And we've been craning all day and all night, like Kelly, me, and the boys. And like Peter, we fished all night and we caught nothing. Absolutely discouraged. Then I saw it. A red cardinal. I saw it. The red cardinal. It was like the only cardinal in the whole joint. If you've ever been to Wildwood, New Jersey, there's billions of crane games. It's the only cardinal in the whole, uh, the, you know, the whole, the whole place. And Kelly's like, can we try for grandma? So I'm like, Yeah. We got to try for grandma, right? No pressure. Like, we, we got we to do this. The boys are looking at me like, you better not let grandma down, our entire, you know, family tree. And, and it's amazing, like, you know, you pop the quarter in. They're qu in, in Wildwood, Jersey, it's only a quarter to play the crane game. So, like, you can imagine how much we play for $50, right? So, it popped in a quarter. And, and so, like, the arm is going down, and it grabs the cardinal, and then you know how it works, like all of a sudden the arm starts swinging when it comes up, right? And I'm telling you, I saw like, the, you know, the cardinal was like flapping its wings trying to escape, and, I, and the boys are like off on the side like, Dad, Dad, you got it, you got it. I mean, like the whole machine starts shaking like earthquake style. I mean, like how anyone, I mean, flapping arms, and I craned that cardinal. I craned it, and, and I'm going to introduce to you the boys, like the red, red lightning. This is the cardinal that we we captured, and then I'll never forget what Kelly said. Kelly said, God's amazing. I'm like, well, what about me? I just craned that, and she's like, she's like God's amazing. <laughs> what a reminder, she said. God loves you. God cares for you. Out of the whole place, she said, one cardinal, and you, who've been a failure all day, finally stepped up to the plate and caught this cardinal. Do you realize how much God loves you. Do you realize how much God cares for you? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 26 says, look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store away in barns? And yet your heavenly Father 
feeds them, are you not much more valuable than they? See, we're in a sermon series entitled Ephesians, the death of our divisions. And as we come to chapter 3, we learn that the Apostle Paul is in prison in Rome for his faith in Christ. If, if you want to read about what got him into prison in Rome, you could read about that in Acts chapter 21. It gives the historical backdrop. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1. Paul writes, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. See, see Paul was in prison for his faith in Christ. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, which is what we're going to look at, Paul wants to remind us how much God loves us. See, this is Paul's prayer for the church, that we would press into how much God loves us. And remember, he's not writing this from Wildwood trying to like play the crane game, trying to get a cardinal. The Apostle Paul is writing this under house arrest in Rome for his faith. And when someone testifies to the love of God in that situation, that's somebody that has a depth of God that we would never know unless that person testified it or we experienced it ourselves. So check out Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. Look at verse 14 and following. Verse 14 says, For this reason, if you didn't get a chance to listen to Pastor Eric's sermon last week, he covered the reason. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2. For this reason... All the things that we read in the first 13 verses in Ephesians chapter 3 that you're like, what is this guy talking about? It's some deep, rich stuff in the book of Ephesians. He says, for the reason of everything that God has done for us. The Apostle Paul says, what what is our response? He says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. I bow my knee before God the Father. I mean, Paul's in, in prison. And, 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 and as opposed to Paul thinking about his circumstances and complaining, right? I'm sure he was tempted how unfair life is and how, how he had it planned isn't going exactly as, as, as he thought it would go. But he's in prison thinking about what God has, has done for him And then offers us one of the most powerful responses to the gospel in the Bible. He says, for this reason, here is what I do. I I kneel. Note, before the Father. See, see, this is really interesting because in Ephesians chapter 3, if you look at verse 9, verse 9 refers to God As our creator. That's what Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9 says. It refers to God as our creator. The text says the the God who created all things. 
But a few verses later, here, here's what the Apostle Paul does. He says, but, but look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. The text doesn't refer to God as our creator. What does it refer to God as in verse 14? As our Father. Underline both those things in your Bible. Highlight it on your app. Do what you got to do. Write it on a piece of paper. I want you to note that. He says, I kneel before the Father. And he's the most loving Father. He's the most perfect Father. The most giving Father. The most gracious, good, good Father. See, this is mind-blowing, church. Did you know that the God of the universe who created all things is also our heavenly Father. Have you ever heard of the name Voltaire? Voltaire. He was a man that lived in the 16th century, 1694 to 1778. He was a 16th century deist. Well, what's, what's a deist? Okay, this was his, his worldview. We talked about worldviews this morning in our starting point class. It was awesome. It was an awesome class. Voltaire was, was a deist. He was a believer in the existence of a creator, a supreme being. Um, he believed that God created the universe, but then remains separate from it, apart from it. He's like a distant father. And, and the reason that he held that God was a distant father is he was trying to reconcile the evil in the world. And if God wasn't distant, right, then clearly he could care less about what happens on this earth. So, so, so Voltaire was, was what's called a deist. He didn't want to put that on God. But no, nah, that's, that's not how it works. According to Scripture, the Apostle Paul says God is both our creator and he's not an absent father. He's a most present father, a most loving, available father, and, and, and he, he loves us. So let me ask you, if God really is who he says he is, if he's really the creator of the entire universe and everything in it, then why do we walk around acting like he can't help us or he doesn't want to help us or he won't help us with the problems that we face in our lives? Is it because we truly don't understand who God is? Or how much we mean to him or how much he wants the best for us? If the King of kings and Lord of lords loves you, but you put yourself down and you say that you're not good enough to have a relationship with him, how much sense does that make? Aren't you putting down the very person he created, sent his son, Jesus, to die for? And he calls us, his children, his sons and his daughters. We are sons and daughters of the king of the universe. So why aren't we acting like it? Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. When was the last time you were so overwhelmed by who God is and what he's done for you that you kneeled before the Father? 
I love the history of this church in the back pews. They have kneelers. And if he's our father, verse 15 says that means we're family. If he's our father, verse 15 says that means, look at verse 15. The text says from whom every family, look at 15. Now, there are three different interpretations, possible interpretations of what, what every family uh, is referencing here. I, I believe it's a reference to the church. I'm probably wrong, but I might be right. From whom every family, now notice, there's family in heaven and there's family on earth, derives its name. If he's our father, that means we're family. You know, one of the great things about church membership that I love, like Pastor, um, well, Pastor Pete Fox, one of the questions that he would always like ask us is, when it comes to membership, like, are we family or not? Like, are, are we family or are we not family? And, 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 and so, so church membership is like a solidifying, right, of that reality. Sure, you can't defend, like, American church membership in the Bible. But, but it comes from a heartbeat that, that the, the creator God of the universe, right, is our father, and if he's our father, that means we're family. And when you have that heart to be joined to that degree and that level and, 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 and all of the messiness and goodness of a family, why wouldn't you have a heart to express that practically within a local church other than the pressure of individualism Christianity that, that you want, you know, we want to do it by ourselves. And so... Um, you know, Pastor Pete used to ask this question all the time, like, are we family or not? I mean, think about our theme verse for this series. I promised you every week we would quote it, every single Sunday. Here, here's our, our theme verse for this series, Ephesians 2, 14 to 16. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, see it? One body, we're family to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, which he put to death in their hostility. Listen, I love this church. There is so much, I, I, I crave more diversity here. There is so much, we, it's amazing, right? Not only is God our creator, according to the Apostle Paul in verse 9, God's also our father. And if he's our father, you know what that means? We're sons and daughters of the king, and we, everyone up in this piece, is family. We're family. It's awesome. Awesome. Sign up for the next membership class. I love how pastors would do that. They make this awkward, like, you know, hey, in light of all this deep, rich theology, take the membership class, because that's what the Apostle Paul was thinking here. <laughs> look at verse 16. Look at the Apostle Paul's prayer for the church. He says, I pray that, that look at it. Look at, here's Paul's actual prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, or based, based on God's glorious riches, or you can interpret it this way, according to the riches of his glory, 
I pray that he may strengthen you with power. And some of you might be here this morning like, I need some strength from God. I need some power from God. Like I'm struggling or I'm, I'm stuck. He says, out of his glorious riches, here's a prayer, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. You ever pray that way? Ever ask God for that? I hope on a Thursday evening prayer meetings at 5 and 7 p.m. I hope, I hope that we can pray that way. Like, we need strength, right? I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, notice Paul's prayer for spiritual strength is based on what? What's it based on? God's glorious riches, which according to scripture, never runs out. Never runs out. Look at verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, riches which never run out he may give you some super spiritual strength through his spirit in your inner being see listen if you're if you're like look i my 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 walk with god right now is like very apathetic and you're like like maybe you're a teenager in here right and you're just kind of like like just where, where do I start? Where do I go? Why? I, remember, I remember at 16 feeling very, very apathetic heart toward God. And, and, and you're looking for, for life and you're looking for strength. The text says if you're looking for strength, if you want strength, what do you got to do according to this text? Press into the riches of of God's glory, right? Press into the character of our God, his glory, his presence, his power, his awesomeness. I mean, in Ephesians chapter 3, he's our creator God, he's our father, he's rich, he's got more bling bling that you could ever imagine, he's glorious, he's granting, he never runs out of strength. In other words, here's what the Apostle Paul is trying to say, like everything about God, everything about who he is, is great. And if you're looking for strength, press into that. I mean, every time I feel stuck, stuck you know, intellectually in, in doubt, stuck in sadness because of some circumstances, stuck in feeling numb because people are crazy, stuck pursuing stuff to make me happy, things, stuck in something that I can't even name. You ever been stuck there? Worry, lack in strength, like every time I feel stuck, like God, I am spiritually weak, I am weak, grant me strength, and if you want strength according to the scripture, press into God and his riches. Every time, every time I feel stuck in my faith, guaranteed, 100%, every single time, it's because I'm not looking to Jesus. I'm looking to my circumstances. I'm looking to my despair. I'm like, oh, God, right? Without minimizing, you know, what, what you might be going through. But I guarantee you who I'm not looking at. I'm not looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And ultimately what that means, when I, my eyes aren't fixed on him, but fixed on people, things, and circumstances, what that ultimately means is I'm doing things in my own strength. And when you do things in your own strength, you know, you know what that's like? 
How stupid. I'm sorry if that word offends you at church. It's the only word I can think of. Would it be to buy a car with a powerful engine under the hood? I'm saying powerful. And then spend the rest of your days pushing it in your own strength. Do you see this verse? I pray that out of, out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power and might. Notice through his spirit. See, never forget, the means of this strengthening is through the Holy Spirit of God. The text says that he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your, notice the location, your inner being, your inner man, your inner nature, the most immaterial part of you. Yet some of us who are Christians, God redeemed us through the precious blood of Jesus. He placed in the language of my illustration a powerful engine under the hood. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit isn't a powerful engine. But it's an analogy. It's an illustration. Nothing less than the resurrection life of God the Son made over to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Then stop pushing. Stop pushing. Stop trying to do things in our own strength. Step in, switch on, and expose every hill of circumstance, every opportunity, every temptation, every perplexity, no matter how threatening, to the divine power that is unfailingly available. Now, now this verse isn't just for like, Ephesians 4 talks about prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors. Listen, the apostle Paul here is praying for ordinary Believers, ordinary believers that are born of the Holy Spirit. God wants ordinary people to live in supernatural power. Now, practically speaking, this is where you get your, your pens and pencils, you know, like get, get, get ready to write here. Listen, I'm going to give you four ways. Four ways. How does one step in and switch on and live in the power of of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a Steamtown conviction because every week we've been giving you Steamtown. Listen, hands down, here it is. Get before God. Get before God. The Apostle Paul says, I kneel before the Father. Get before God. Daily. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. There's, is there anything more pleasing to a father when a child comes and says, says, Abba, Daddy, I need some help. I need some strength. I need some power. Listen, I'm being real practical here. Just get before God. Like, you know, we leave here and like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, what's after Wednesday? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? Like, you know, and then we come back here, and then the week goes on, and then come back here, week goes on, boom, 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 work, business, life, this, relationship, just got dumped, boom, 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 right? Like, make time, get, get before God. Like, God, like, I need help. 
I need strength. I want to live in the power. I know the penalty of my sin has been paid for. Saved, redeemed. I believe in Christ. I know one day the presence of sin is going to be gone, heaven. But right now, it's a battle of the power of sin in, in, in you and I's life. Steamtown conviction, get before God daily. Humble yourself. Here's another real practical one. Test everything against the word. Test everything against, against the word. Next, obey what the Spirit tells you to do. Like, I really believe that God has given us some divine assignments in our lives. He wants to do supernatural thing with ordinary people. Spirit, what, what do you want me to do? But I guarantee you this, whatever he wants you to do, you know what I guarantee? You ain't doing it on your own. You're not doing it on your own. Real practical. Learn what your spiritual gift is. Learn what your spiritual gift is. It, listen, if you, more and more as a pastoral team, we're growing in a heart for this one. For you to know what your spiritual gifts are. Pastor Eric does an equipping class. Pastor Eric, help me find my spiritual gift. Help me find it. Bible talks about spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ. See, it's Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. Only one prayer request, to be strengthened through his spirit in the inner man. Look at verse 17. <clears throat> Would someone be so kind to bring me a glass of water? So that, verse 17, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. See, if you're a believer, Christ dwells in your heart. He's Lord. He's the center of your life. The, the issue is whether we recognize that or not. Does that make sense? Thanks, Jay. <clears throat> Paul continues. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, look at verse 18 and 19, may have power. You may be strong enough together with all the Lord's holy people, look at it, to grasp, to comprehend how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, verse 19, that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I mean, think about it. Paul here is saying that we will, he wants us to comprehend with all of the saints the, the dimension of God's love. How, how did I start this sermon? Do you realize how much God loves you? When you're tempted to doubt God's love for you, stand before the cross and look at the wounded, dying, disfigured Savior. And I want you to realize why he's there. Why is he there? That we would be able to comprehend with all the saints the dimensions of God's love. 
When you're tempted to doubt God's love for you, think about how wide, how long, how high, how deep the love of Christ is. Christ's love reaches every corner of our experience. It's total, it's complete, it's eternal, it's all-encompassing. It is wide, covering the wideness of our own experience and reaching the whole world. It is long, continuing the length of our lives and on to eternity. Remember when Christ rose from the grave? Down Thomas, like he still had the nail-scarred hands. Some theologians believe he's going to have that for all of eternity. It's high, rising to the heights of our celebration and elation, which, which, you know, this worship night coming up, I mean, it is a chance for us to, for our worship to go up to God. Just want to encourage everyone here to, to, to consider coming out it's, it, to, to the worship night. It's deep, rising to the depths of our discouragement, despair, and even death. I want you to know this morning one thing, and here's the one thing I want you to know. I want you to know that God's love for you is real, and we can never reduce God's love to human dimensions. There's no comparison. His love is awesome and strong and transcendent and beyond any human love. Even kings and emperors with heaps of wealth and vast dominion cannot compare with a poor man filled with the love of God. And when you really know the love of Christ, and with this we close, you will be filled with the fullness of God. Look at verse 19. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Look at verse 20, the benediction. Now to him who is able, all-powerful. To do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.